Dan. Hey Katie. Welcome to Have You Ever Heard Of, a history podcast. Where we talk about people from history you may or may not have heard of. How are you doing today? What's up? Yeah, it's not too bad. I'm pretty tired. Um, I couldn't really sleep yesterday because it's too goddamn hot for sleeping now. Oh my god, it's so hot and I cannot sleep with the window open. I just feel like someone's going to like crawl in. Yes, same. Yeah, I can't do it. Even though like... We're on the second floor. (laughs) (laughs) See, we sleep like our bedroom window is right next to the gangway. So, yeah, someone could easily just slip slip on through. I've I've listened to way too many true crime podcasts to (laughs) to have my window open at night. (laughs) Yeah, that's stay sexy and don't get murdered. That's that's what I'm thinking all the time. It is really hot. I'm actually um, getting up earlier tomorrow because I'm going into the library where I work. Ooh. Um, all alone so but that's cool you can kind of like do whatever you want you can get like the fire extinguisher out and start like blasting around <laughs> on your wheelie chair you can do on you can do the tom... ancient books <laughs> yeah you do the tom cruise thing in what's the film called you know he slides he does the music and he slides and does the thing have we not talked about how i don't watch tom cruise movies why don't you watch tom cruise movies they're like they're all exactly just, the same d- film but they're lovely just hate him so much Aww. like there's something about, I think some people have like one actor or one actress who they just can't watch. Yeah. A lot of people's one is Nick Cage. Really? Oh. I don't Mine that. is Tom Cruise. I haven't even seen Eyes Wide Shut by my, like my second favorite director of all time. I haven't even seen Eyes Wide Shut because I cannot stand Tom Cruise. And I've seen every other Sandy Kubrick <laughs> movie. Every other one. I don't really like Eyes Wide Shut. But I do, generally do like Tom Cruise. I don't know why. I find him quite... He's in... These films are like... They're harmless. They're just quite entertaining. I haven't even seen Mission Impossible. Really? Mm. No. My uh, my friend was in Mission Impossible. What? He was, he was just like... But that was like how long ago? That was a long time ago. Not in the original, like the latest one. The one that was set in London. Oh. He was just, oh. It's like a revamp, isn't it? I'm not sure. It's got like... It's it's the ones that have uh, Simon Pegg in. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But he was my mate was sitting in a just in a, in a cafe when they were doing something, and that's it. He was just an extra. Yeah. He wasn't actually like a star or anything. My brother's been was an extra in an education, and he had to. What's really funny is that his job was to carry like three pints of beer. Yeah. From the bar to a table. And they chose the worst guy for that because my <laughs> brother does not drink. He has never drank. He does not carry beer. He doesn't even like beer. Was it, so... was it basically like Phoebe and friends trying to like carry the tray? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> funny. I think he just kind of like was like, I'm just going to pretend to be an awkward Oxford student and it will work out. <laughs> which which kind of worked out for him. So that was fun. If anybody's seen that film, look for it. I'm go- awkward looking guy carrying I'm beer. Gonna look, I'm going to go watch that film after this now. <laughs> it's actually a really, really great film. I love that film. <laughs> it's probably in my top 30 films. Oh, speaking of films, Sony World announced today that they are reopening on the 10th of July. Really? How are they going to yeah. deal with all this? Uh... They haven't, like, said. <laughs> they haven't said, like, we're reopening, but here's the details. They have just, like, said, you know, we're reopening. I'm sure there'll be, like, maybe it'll be, like, every other row or something, yeah. and you can only sit next to someone from your household. Or whatever, but I'm still really excited because I love the cinema so much. And Tenet, which is Christopher Nolan's new oh, yeah. film. I think we talked about this last week, actually. It comes out on the 17th of July. So, yeah, I'm just really hyped that, you know, cinema's opening. But I'm also 
going to be so 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 careful and everybody out there should be so 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 careful when going to cinemas or shops or anything so just yeah putting that out there for everyone stay safe so, stay alert it's just a weird thing isn't it yeah stay alert <laughs> like putin just judo throw the virus oh my god sorry dan i just saw the funniest thing today you know how like people have started putting barriers up around statues oh yeah so some people have um some well, I should say white men, have decided to protect their local statue by, like, kind of making a circle around yeah. it. Their local statue is of George Eliot. <laughs> and one of them said, I really identify with his work. <laughs> and I was like, that is so hilarious. I text my mum this because my mum wrote her dissertation yeah. on Middlemarch. And she was like... I wonder if they like Middlemarch or if they prefer her earlier, shorter works. <laughs> or maybe they're really into her translations of Dante. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, it was so funny that they were like... And there was one bloke who was like, yeah, I was puzzled when I turned up and it was a woman. Because this is, this is a statue of her like in a big dress. Oh, I love it. It's so, so, like, is she, so funny. Is she even on the list? No. Okay then, fair enough. <laughs> of course not. But it's just like, I guess maybe it's like the only statue in their town. They just desperately want it to... It's the only fun they can have now. It's the only statue in their town, so let's go for it. Yeah, it's like in like Nonton or something. Yeah, I don't know. I don't understand what's going on at the moment, like rules-wise. Like, shops are open, but can I go visit my mum in Colchester or... No, probably no, not. No, yeah. I can't go visit... Well, I can... It's like you can have six people in a gathering, yeah. um, but they have to. Everyone has to be two meters apart unless they're in the same household. Yeah. But but like travel is still a bit weird. So like, because my, my parents live in London, it's a little bit easier. I've seen them once, but for you, yeah, you can't go visit your mum because you'd have to travel to get there, and it would be maybe too dangerous for you. I don't really know. I can get to my parents without having to get on public transport. If I want to, I could cycle. Or the train is, like, really empty. Yeah. Like, people are on the tube, but no normal trains. Yeah, and you have to wear face coverings now on TFL. Yes. I'm just, yeah, I don't know. I kind of, like, might just go to a model shop to buy some paints just to do something. Just to do something. But then I have to get well, the tube I and to... I don't know if I can be bothered to get on the tube. I'll just walk there, just spend three hours walking there. Yeah, I mean I could I literally if it was if it was raining tomorrow morning, which it isn't, but hopefully, then I would have walked to work tomorrow. It takes an hour and a half, but it's fine. So I actually like a big long walk. Yeah, I like a walk, yeah. I used to always walk to work in the centre. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, actually I might just wander down to Food and Planet and just buy comic books for no reason that might be quite fun yeah it would only take you about an hour and a half from, no from where you are yeah, it's, it's probably more like an hour it's only an hour, hour yeah. yeah I always do that that's yeah. my usual walk that was basically my like while I was working from home that was my only trip out <laughs> for the week just walked out to yeah. Film Planet on Wednesday to pick up a magazine lovely I I know it doesn't interest you but you've got a good vegan shop near you have I? <laughs> so, yeah yeah it sells, oh, not just vegan, but like it sells like eco products. So, like, oh. if you want to buy like eco Coca Cola because mm. you don't want to buy like Coke, yeah, yeah. then it sells like eco Coca Cola, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know which one you mean. I was walking past yeah. it on the way to the Chinese supermarket, <laughs> which is my favorite Dan's place. Favorite pl- 
<laughs> dad's favorite place <laughs> though to be fair i want to go to that supermarket <laughs> as well i feel like i should start with my person because it was so long i'm so sorry to everyone especially dan because it is a really long one but i feel like it's so important and interesting people are gonna love it <laughs> you don't even know who it is you're like everyone's <laughs> gonna love it who's your person uh have you ever heard of harriet tubman no i bet you like any money that you've actually heard maybe not heard of her yeah. But maybe you've heard of someone and you just don't put the name to the person or you've heard of various people and this is one of them. But basically Harriet Tubman is, she was an American abolitionist and political activist um, during the Civil War before and after. Um, And she was a black woman who was enslaved. So we're going to talk about Harriet Tubman today. I just want to say one sentence about context so everyone has it in their heads. So, the US abolished importing slaves in 1808, but about half of the states in the US had slaves up until 1865. So, even though importing slaves was banned in 1808, up until 1865, yeah, about half the states had slaves. Whereas the UK, they banned importing slaves in 1807, but completely... um, abolished slavery completely in 1833 mm-hmm. so we were about 30 years ahead mm. so when i'm talking about it it might be that people are like hang on a second but so remember this is the u.s we're talking yeah. about here okay and at this time as well canada was still part of the british empire mm. which is not hugely important but interesting for some of the context okay so harriet tubman so she was born uh araminta or minty was her nickname ross Uh, to her enslaved parents who were called Harriet Green and Ben Ross. So her mother was owned by a woman called Mary Patterson Bodress and her son Edward Bodress. And her father was owned by someone called Anthony Thompson who later married Mary Bodress. So it was like that's how they met. So Thompson, Anthony Thompson, ran like a large plantation in Maryland whereas Harriet her mother worked in like the big house, yeah, as they would call it, big house in inverted commas. So historically, we don't actually know exactly when Tubman was born, like her exact birth date, which is quite usual for people born into slavery. Um, different historians say different dates. Um, so some say eighteen twenty-two, some say eighteen twenty-five. Her death certificate says eighteen fifteen, but her gravestone says eighteen twenty. So yeah. there's all sorts of different dates. To be, like, accurate, I'm going to say around the beginning of the 1820s. Sounds good. That's what I'm going to go with. That's a crazy (laughs) thought, isn't it? Just being born into slavery, just being born into being owned by another person. That's a horrible thought. Absolute, absolute madness. Like, basically, we have, like, very little information on her ancestors. The only thing we actually know is that her maternal grandmother arrived in the U.S., on a slave ship from Africa, but we don't know anything about her other grandparents or ancestors. Mm-hmm. So her mother was a cook for the Beaudress family, and her father worked on the Thompson's plantation. He was a very skilled woodworker, um, so he was like a woodsman now. And they married around 1808, and they had nine children mm-hmm. together, and Harriet was bang in the middle. So, yeah, her family were obviously very affected and, like, torn apart by slavery. So, f- first of all, her, um, a trader bought her three of her sisters. 
sold oh, by Edward Boydress. Um, and then a trader from Georgia tried to buy Harriet's youngest brother, whose name was Moses, but um, basically the man came to the house and tried to take him away, and her mother, um, who was called Harriet, mm. basically said, you are after my son, but the first man that comes into my house, I will split his head open. Fair. So basically from a very young age, um, Tubman was exposed to like resistance mm-hmm. from her mother, and that must have influenced her yeah. like so much. How old were they when they were sold? Oh, I don't actually have that information. I don't think it would be out there because we just don't yeah, have yeah. that kind of stuff. It's not like available. We don't even know when she was born yeah. exactly. Um, it sounds like but, young though. Yes. So in terms of Tubman, she was helping her mother look after her younger children. But when she was around five or six, Tubman was hired out as a nursemaid to a woman who she called Miss Susan. And she had to rock the cradle of the new baby. And if the baby cried, then she was whipped. And she was five or six. And she had scars for her whole life from this particular job. I'm not going to call it a job. It's not a job. She didn't get paid. From this particular enslavement. But she, even from this age, she was finding ways to resist. So she wore like multiple layers of clothing to so the whip didn't hurt her as much so she also worked for a while for a man named James Cook but while she was there she contracted measles and James Cook sent her back to the Brodresses and after that she was hired out again and then as she got older she was assigned to like field and forest work driving oxen, ploughing fields hauling logs, that kind of thing Mm -hmm. when she was a teenager she actually suffered a head injury and this would affect her for the rest of her life so basically one of the other slaves was like making an attempt to escape and the overseer like saw it and threw a two pound weight at another slave and instead of hitting them it hit her, oh, no. Tubman, on the head. Oh, it cracked her skull open. Oh god. She was bleeding and went unconscious. They took her back to the owner's house and she didn't get medical attention for two whole days. What the hell? And after that, she basically had really bad headaches and seizures. And basically one of her biographers said that she may have suffered epilepsy from the incident. Like, her the way, her yeah. headaches and, and seizures sounds like it was, like, epilepsy caused by that trauma. She also began experiencing, like, visions and vivid dreams from this trauma. And she interpreted these as, like, messages from God. She was very religious. Yeah. Um, and she developed, like, a really passionate faith at that time. So that kind of stayed with her throughout her life. She was, like, completely illiterate, but her mother told her Bible stories and she attended Methodist church with her family. And she basically rejected the New Testament. I don't know how much you know about, like, the difference between OT and NT. The New Testament (laughs) says the slave should be obedient. And the Old Testament, you know, she sought more guidance than that. So that really affected her as well. Oh, that's interesting. I always thought that, like, the Old Testament was, like, the, the really harsh one. And the New Testament was a bit more hippie-ish. Um, from what I understand from back in the day when I used to maybe believe in this yeah. stuff, which is perfectly fine, I believe that the Old Testament is more like um, myths and tales. Mm-hmm. So it's it's more about like interpretation. Oh, uh, okay then. Whereas the New Testament is obviously the life of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, in the Old Testament you have like Joseph and you have Noah and you have Abraham oh, okay, and then. Adam and Eve. So, but I guess all those stories have like quite a vengeful God in them. But like, 
feel free to come and correct us on this. We are not Bible experts. No, not Maybe by one any. day I'll do a biblical figure. And... <laughs> but then again, so, yes. In 1840, um, the Thompson son manumitted Tubman's father. Do you know what that means? No. So manumitted just means, like, freed from slavery. So made him a free man. Oh, okay then. So her father was aged 45 at the mm-hmm. time. So basically, the Thompsons had agreed that he would be manumitted yeah. at 45. But he continued to work for them mm-hmm. as, like, a foreman. Um, and later on in life, it was actually discovered by an attorney that her mother was also promised to be manumitted at 45. And, and because of that, her children that she had after 45 would actually be manumitted as well. Mm-hmm. But the Brogius family just ignored that. They didn't do it. Oh, no way. Um, and it was impossible for Tubman to like legally challenge yeah. this. So, yeah, that was rubbish. Um, so in 1844, Tubber married a free black man named John Tubman. And that's when she mm-hmm. obviously got the surname Tubman from. Um, not much is known of their time together, but it would have been quite complicated because of her slave status and his free status. And children's status was dependent on the mother's status. So if they had had any children... They would have been classed as slaves, not as free. I know, it's absolutely mad. (sighs) I can't even wrap my head around it. So at this time, a bit more context, the half of the black population of the eastern shore of Maryland were free and half were enslaved. So this pairing like wasn't uncommon and they might have been planning to like buy her freedom at some point, but it's still complicated. Buy her freedom. I saw so much. I saw so. Be grim. so angry by the end of this. <laughs> like everyone's going to be so angry. So um, now we come to her. Oh, and this is also sorry when she changed her name from Araminta to Harriet after her marriage. There's no like. There's all different opinions about why and when she did this. It might have been because she was planning to escape and to like hide her identity or something. But her mother's name was also Harriet, so it might have been like a homage. We're not sure. So, in 1849, Tubman became ill again. Brodress tried to sell her, but he couldn't find a buyer because she was ill. And basically, she became very, like, hangry, and she did the one thing that she felt she could do, which was pray for him. Mm. She said, basically, I prayed all night long for my master till the 1st of March, and all the time he was bringing people to look at me and trying to sell me. Then when someone came to buy her, she changed her prayer to, Oh Lord, if you ain't ever going to change that man's heart, kill him. A week later, Braidress died. Oh, wow. And Tubman actually really regretted asking. She didn't want to kill anyone. But there you go. It happened. So with his death came the possibility that Tubman would be sold and the family would be broken apart. And this is not something that anyone wants to be separated from your family. So the widow of... Um, Brodress started selling off slaves and Tubman didn't want to wait around to see what happened to her so her husband tried to like dissuade her but I mean it's all he's a, like a free free man she's not yeah. Yeah. so basically on the 17th of September 1849 Tubman and her two brothers Ben and Henry escaped from slavery Tubman had been hired out to the Thompsons who used her own father mm-hmm. who yeah um, they owed a plantation in Caroline County, and because they were hired out, the widow, Eliza, didn't notice she was gone, mm-hmm. because she had been hired yeah. out. So, 
Two weeks later, Eliza noticed that she was gone and posted a runaway notice in the Cambridge Democrat offering a reward of up to $100 for each slave returned. However, once they had left, the two brothers actually wanted to return. Um, it might have been that the one of them, Ben, had actually just become a father. Okay. And he felt like yeah, yeah. Gu- guilty or something. So they kind of made her go back with them. Oh, no. Um, but soon afterwards, she escaped again on her own. And she used the Underground Railroad for her escape. So... The Underground Railroad was basically this well-organised system of free and enslaved blacks, whites, abolitionists and other activists, Mm -hmm. including the Quakers, who are awesome. Although we don't know her exact route, because there's there's no way to know, it's not like she had, like, map my run, (laughs) Strava, so, like... um, So it's probably that the Preston area was her first stop. There was a lot of Quaker community there, and then maybe along the Choptank River, through Delaware, and north to Pennsylvania. So the journey was nearly 90 miles, and it would have taken between one and three weeks. And it was all on foot. So imagine walking from Maryland, I don't know how oh, good your geography crazy. of US is. Yeah, so that is yeah, oh, wow. one to three weeks of walking. Um, yeah, that's epic. Well, she she was already in Maryland, which isn't like in the south. But it was still one of the slave states. Mm, so it's she managed to go to where she could be free. Yeah, so yeah. Um, actually, if you go online, you'll be able to see, like, they have one of those maps that goes from day to day and it shows the states, like, getting which ones became free earlier. It's quite interesting. So, mm-hmm. so she also would have had to travel, like, mainly by night to avoid slave catchers. The conductors, mm. as they're called of the Underground Railroad used, like, deceptions. So one woman, for example, told her to, like, go outside and sweep the front porch to make it look like she works for her. Yeah. Or they'd, like, yeah, yeah. go into carts at night and at night the carts would take them from stop to stop to, like, the next friendly house. Mm-hmm. So she said later, when she crossed into Pennsylvania, when I had found I had crossed the line, I looked at my hands to see if I was the same person... There was such a glory over everything. The sun came like gold through the trees and over the fields, and it felt like I was in heaven. She had no family in Philadelphia and had to do like odd jobs and really save money. Did her husband not? Um, no, her husband her. stayed in Maryland. Remember that he was actually a free man. Yeah. And he tried to dissuade her to like going, but oh, okay, she then. was like, "No, I'm going. Like, I'm not going to wait yeah, around yeah. to see what happens to me." Which I think is fair enough. I thought he might have been like, fair enough, I'll, I'll come with you. No, but he didn't, he just, he just let, let her go. Stayed there. Um, I, guess, oh, I guess you don't know what the situation is going to be, where you're going to get to. They might have been caught, they might have been injured. Yeah. You don't know what it's going to be like when they get to Pennsylvania or New York or Canada. Mm-hmm. Okay, so in 1850, the US Congress passed the Fugitive Slave Law, which basically heavily punished aiding and abetting escape, even in states that had outlawed slavery. So this what? increased the risk of um, for escaping slaves and... The federal government did this? Well, it's US Congress, so yeah. Jeez. More people started to go to Ontario in Canada, which yeah. at the time was part of the British Empire. So yeah. and the British Empire had already outlawed slavery completely. So yeah, that's yeah. why I mentioned that at the beginning. In December of 1850... Tubman helped her niece and two children escape. 
Tubman hid in Baltimore while the family escaped from their auctioneer in Cambridge. They were like auctioned off. And as like the auction was happening, they like escaped. And they used yeah. like a log canoe to sail from Cambridge in Maryland to Baltimore, which is about 60 miles in a log canoe. And wow. then that's where Tubman helped them to get to Philadelphia from there. So that was like her first like help her first instance of helping somebody else escape that's so grim like i mean like you're free but you're not really free because you still have this these goddamn laws i know she was never really preventing you from free was she that's just horrendous so in the spring of 1851 she returned again to maryland to help more family members escape including her brother moses some say she worked with a man called Thomas Garrett, who is a Quaker abolitionist in Delaware. So if you want to look him up, he's really cool. Um, later in 1851, she tried to cover, recover her husband, John, but he had actually remarried and insisted that he was happy where he was. So while she was there, yeah. she found some other slaves who wanted to escape and help them instead. And it was likely that he was killed actually 16 years later in a roadside argument. So we don't know for sure, but that's what history suggests. Um, In December, she helped a further 11 fugitives. Um, And abolitionist Frederick Douglass was another one of the people who helped her. He admired her greatly and they worked together um, throughout her time. But he did note that her struggle was different and greater than his. So if you look at what Mm -hmm. he says about her, you know, he admits that her struggle was definitely... she was braver, she was better, she was... Yeah. Uh, so over the next 11 years, she kept returning to Maryland and rescued about 70 slaves in 13 expeditions, including her brothers and their children, and she also provided instructions to around 50 or 60 others. So that is oh, wow. awesome. This is all crazy dangerous, Yeah, of right? course it is. She's putting her life on the line to help other people escape from wow. slavery. She what is badass. I mean, I researching this, I felt like such a small person. <laughs> like I was like, yeah. I need to do more to help people. What am I doing with my world? Um so one of her last trips to Maryland was to retrieve her parents. Her mother had been purchased by her father in eighteen fifty five, which is just bad. <laughs> Um, but people yeah. were still hostile and her father was in danger of being arrested for helping other like escaped slaves. So in 1857, she led them to Canada and they lived for a while in a community of former slaves. Um, so in terms of like these expeditions, she was often went in the dark and in the cold. Like Going in winter was safer because less people yeah. would be out and you know, you'd be undercover because it's colder and darker um she uses like subterfuge she actually used like disguises and stuff and one of the ones that i thought was like so ingenious was she used to wear like a big bonnet and carry like live chickens to make it look like she was on like the way to the market or something because you don't stop someone nice. who's carrying a live chicken do you like <laughs> i love that that's so funny like you know in when you're like in america when you serve someone like you've been served like if yeah. you go with a bunch of flowers because you have to get their confirmation they're the person. So if I'm like, are you Dan? Yeah. And if I've got flowers in my hands, you're going to think you're getting flowers. But I'd actually be like, you've been served. So, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, subterfuge. Yeah. 
Um, or she. Yeah, it's good. Much much better than Henry VIII's uh, Robin the Hood costume. His Robin, Robin Hood costume was just so stupid. Oh my god, <laughs> no one believed you, Henry. They're just pretending. Because you're the freaking king. Okay, so um, she also pretended to read a newspaper because she was known to be illiterate. So yeah. people would be like, oh, she's reading yeah. a newspaper. It can't be her. She had many different routes and various people helping her. So Thomas Garrett, who helped with transport in Delaware and the Quakers, Frederick Douglass, etc. She also had a lot of religious faith and her visions really drove her. She believed that God was like keeping her safe and telling her things through the visions. She also famously carried a revolver for protection from slave catchers and their dogs. Um, but she would also threaten anyone who might endanger the safety of the group. So if one of the people decided they wanted to go back or whatever, yeah. she would actually threaten them as well because it would, you know, be harmful yeah, yeah, yeah. to the rest of the group. And like one instance, she threatened them. They stayed and they eventually got to safety. So... Yeah, Slaveholders yeah. never knew that Topham was behind all these escapes in the region. It was suspected that actually a white abolitionist was behind it. Um, and there's like a claim that there was a $40,000 reward for her, but actually this wasn't really true. Um, no reward has been found in newspapers. And one biographer says that maybe that figure has come from like all the different small rewards. Like... Yeah, yeah, they've been added up or something, but there's not like any yeah. solid historical evidence for that. Oh wow, she was such a good like master yeah. of disguise that didn't even know she managed to. So she was never captured, and neither were any of the fugitives she guided. She said later, "I was conductor of the Underground Railroad for eight years, and I can say what most conductors can't say: I never ran my train off the track, and I never lost a passenger." <laughs> Nice. <laughs> She's kind of like, yeah. And um, she was nicknamed. Her nickname was Moses. From like, obviously, Moses uh, led yeah, yeah, yeah. the Jews to freedom from Egypt. So that's why. Um, in 1858, she was introduced to a man named John Brown. There are so many Johns in the story. <laughs> <laughs> um, she was introduced to a man named John Brown, who was an advocate for using violence against white slave owners. He's a white man. Mm-hmm. Um, he she didn't really agree with the use of violence against whites, but she agreed with John's like direct action and his goals. She kind of started mm. helping him. She helped recruit supporters for an attack on slave owners, and her knowledge of like the networks was really invaluable to John Brown. He mm. believed that after an initial attack, they would be able to carry out like a rebellion across and it would sleep a sweep across the slave states. Yeah. He announced his plans to his like followers on the 8th of May, 1858, but the government got wind of something, so he put them on hold. And she- Tubman was giving talks to like abolitionist audiences and looking after relatives and stuff. So she actually wasn't there for the t- attack when it happened. So on the 16th mm. of October, 1858, Brown's attack on Harper's Ferry took place. So if you want to look up the actual event, Look up Harper's Ferry. Okay. But yeah, as I say, Tubman wasn't present. It could have been that she was in Maryland recruiting more people. or Maybe she was ill or in New York. There's all sorts of places she could have been. We don't know for sure. Or it could have been that she had doubts about Brown's, Brown's plan, which actually ultimately failed. And Brown was hanged for treason. For treason? Yeah. Wow, that's quite a... I don't know. Yeah. 
It's quite a sentence for for just attacking some slavery. Yep, owners. but there you go. Treason. Jeez. Tubman praised him for his bravery. She said something like, he did more with his death than a hundred men do with their life. So that's high praise, in my opinion. Especially from this woman. This absolute mm-hmm. badass. Okay, so in... 1859, Tubman actually managed to buy a small piece of land in urban New York. So urban, well, New York was a massive, like, anti-slavery state. It cost her $1,200. And she housed her parents there. So her parents came back from Canada and lived in Auburn. The city had a lot of anti-slavery activism going on. And it became, her plot of land became like a haven for Tubman's family and friends. She went back to Maryland and... So she rescued her niece, in inverted commas, Margaret. So later on, Margaret's daughter, called Tubman Selfish, for taking Margaret away from her parents and twin brother, who was still in Maryland. However, some say that Margaret might have in fact been Tubman's daughter, but there's no concrete evidence for that. Only, like, physical similarities, um, mm-hmm. which even Margaret's daughter actually agreed did exist, but we have no evidence she was actually her daughter. She just called okay. her her niece. Um, in November 1860, Tubman went on her last rescue mission. She had never been able to get her sister, Rachel. Unfortunately, Rachel had died before Tubman got there, and Tubman didn't have the bribe money for Rachel's children. So we don't know their fates. But she never wasted a trip, mm. and she gathered another group um, instead to rescue. So, we have come to 1861, and what happens in 1861? The Civil War breaks out. So, Tubman really thought that a Union victory would be a step towards the abolition of slavery, and of course, she's right mm-hmm. <laughs> in that. Yeah. She joined a group of Boston and Philadelphia abolitionists heading towards Hilton Head in South Carolina, and she became a fixture in the camps assisting fugitives. She serves as a nurse in Port Royal, aiding soldiers who are suffering from dysentery and smallpox. I cannot believe dysentery comes up in every single episode <laughs> that we do. But anyway, she's she was helping these soldiers. Um, but she also managed to avoid it herself. She never caught smallpox, which is good going. Um, she gave up her government rations, so others wouldn't think she was getting special treatment. Though I don't know why they would. I mean, look at this woman. Like She's just an absolute angel she didn't always agree with what lincoln was doing or saying but when he Mm. issued the emancipation proclamation in january 1863 tubman renewed her support for the confederacy and she led a band of scouts around port royal so scouts would basically map the terrain and provide like key information that helped the capture of certain places for example jacksonville Mm -hmm. In Florida. Okay, she then. was also the first woman to lead an armed assault in the Civil War. So on oh, the second cool. of June, eighteen sixty three, Tubman led three steamboats down the I'm gonna pronounce this wrong, sorry. Um Cobany River. I'm just going with that because I can't pronounce words, <laughs> I'm sorry. Around the Confederate mines in the water and to the shore. She conducted an assault on some plantations that were along the river. So basically, the Union troops set fire to these plantations and liberated the slaves that were there. They seized the food and the supplies. Awesome. The owners tried to stop it, but it was just futile. The boats took off towards, I'm going to pronounce this wrong as well, Balfour, 
I think that's how you pronounce it, and more than 750 slaves were rescued. She also worked on the assault of Fort Luanga for Colonel Robert Gould Shaw and for Union forces teaching newly liberated slaves and scouting Confederate territory. I don't think scouting as such was one of her most important things that she did. Yeah. Um, yeah, intelligence is well important. Yeah, because, like, especially when it's, like, territory of the other side, it's actually yeah. really dangerous. So, the Confederacy surrendered in April 1865, and after a few more months, she headed home to Auburn. This story made me so angry, I actually nearly cried. On the train ride home in 1869, the conductor told her to move to the half price section in the smoking car. She refused and showed her papers. The conductor grabbed her arm and some of the passengers helped. She broke her arm holding onto the rail and they threw her into the smoking car. No way. They have no idea. Like this, oh, this woman deserves a first class seat on every train. Like, ever. Anyway, that made me so angry, I can't even tell you. So, Tubman never received a regular salary for her service and was denied compensation for years. Her friends and supporters were the ones who raised money to support her. She spent her remaining years in Auburn, tending to her family and other people in need. She fell in love with a man named Nelson Charles Davis, who was a bricklayer, um, who was 22 years her younger. They married on the 18th of March, 1869. Nice toy boy. I was like, she deserves it. In 1874, (laughs) they adopted a baby girl named Gertie and... um, they lived as a family until 1888, when Nelson died of tuberculosis. In 1869, oh Sarah Hopkins Bradford wrote the first authorised biography entitled Scenes and the Lives of Harriet Tubman, and Tubman received like income from that. I heard I saw the figure of like one thousand two hundred dollars, oh. but it could have been like that. Could be, I don't know if that was like verified. Mm-hmm. In 1886, Bradford released another volume called Harriet, the Moses of Her People. So in 1873, Tubman fell prey to a gold transfer swindle. So basically she like borrowed some cash from someone she knew who was rich and wanted to like invest in gold. But the people that mm-hmm. were supposed to be selling her the gold lured her into the woods, gagged her, knocked her out with um, chloroform and... Her family found her in the woods and the money was gone. So. Oh, shit. Oh, nasty. Basically, New York were like outraged by the incident and a bill was actually introduced into the house that would have paid her $2,000 for her war services, but it was defeated in the Senate. I know. What? Seriously. So, an act in 1890 made Tubman eligible for a pension as Nelson Davis's widow. So, it's like not money from her work, it's money as a pension for her dead husband because he served in the war Um, and in 1895 she's granted $8 a month and a lump sum of $500 for the five year gap and in 1897 it was raised to $20 but it didn't recognise her work as a scout which is just insane she also started working on women's suffrage and she travelled to New York, Boston and Washington DC to to speak to people when the National Federation of Afro-American Women was founded in 1896 Tubman was the keynote speaker at their first meeting. She was celebrated in newspapers and receptions were held in her honour, but she'd become so poor from all the help she'd given to other people that she had to sell one of her cows for the train fare to get there to her own reception. At the turn of the century, so turn of the 20th century, 
Um, Tubman became involved with the African Methodist Church in Auburn, and the Harriet Tubman Home for the Aged opened on the 23rd of June 1908. As she got older, her headaches and seizures continued. At some point in the 1890s, she had brain surgery to help the buzzing that she heard when she was trying to sleep, and there was no anaesthetic, and she bit down on a she bit down oh. on a bullet to while well, she's you know like they do oh. when soldiers are getting their legs sort of. That's just Jeez. insane. This woman is unstoppable. So in 1911, she was admitted to the rest home that was named in her honour because she was becoming very ill and she was quite poor. And in 1913, she died of pneumonia surrounded by her friends and family. She's buried with semi-military honours at Fort Hill Cemetery in Auburn. So she was like 91? Yeah, she's 91. Wow, that's some yeah, pretty good that innings is, there. Amazing. For the time, and, and for someone who suffered a Head injury, and brain had injury, brain surgery, yeah. and had measles at one point, and worked with people with dysentery and smallpox, and obviously escaped slavery. <laughs> mm. Yeah, put herself in danger <gasps> like constantly. Like 91. It's crazy. So there's so much legacy for her. There's museums, and there's memorials, there's statues. There was There's a theatre production, there's an opera... There's biographies, and there is talk of putting her on the twenty dollar bill in the US. Hasn't happened yet, but it's been yes. like do it. They've been saying they were going to do it in 2020, but then they were like, "We've got other things to think about right now." <laughs> like I don't know what you're talking also, about. What's going Trump, on? And also, Trump came along and he'd obviously block it because he's yeah. Well, ass. I think you know there is a global pandemic, but still, I think they she should be on. I want her to put her on our bank yeah, absolutely. Screw the US. I want take Winston <laughs> Churchill off and put her on. Like, seriously. <laughs> and I don't know if you remember this, but last year in 2019, there was a film called Harriet came out. And that was about her. Yeah. Ah, it received mainly positive now. reviews, like around 70-something percent of Rotten Tomatoes um, got nominated and won awards. Um, and some people said that you know, it was a great portrayal and it's a very watchable movie. It is available on Amazon Prime to like, you can rent it for like three quid. Excellent. And that is Harriet Tubman, literally the most badass person I think I've done so far because she's just yeah, so amazing she- and fantastic. And I, I literally reading this or researching it, writing it, I was like, I have to do something more with my life. Like, she dedicated her whole life to helping people escape slavery and that is just nobody can yeah say that she wasn't amazing i can't believe i never heard of her that's that's a proper epic story i'm gonna have to definitely go find some uh, books and definitely need to check out that yeah i mean i haven't actually seen either so maybe we could like watch it together yeah at some point yeah um yeah, I remember it coming out, and at the time it came out, there were like so many films that came out at once. And I remember me and yeah. Paul, we always make a list of like our top priority films. Mm-hmm. And at the time, there was other ones that were like so top priority. Um, there's an amazing film that came out around the same time called The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Did you see that? Or did you hear of it? Kind of went no, a bit under the radar. Yeah, I remember hearing but of it. But it was so yeah. great. So, so great. And I think other things were coming out at the time, like Little Women. It was that time when, like, the Oscar season happens and, like, so many films come out at once. But, yeah, I really wish I had seen it now. 
having researched the story. I really, <laughs> I am glad that she got to see like the abolition of slavery and everything, but it's just yeah. such a horrifying kind of just the just just the statistics even of like how many people were still enslaved and the fact that like your mother's status like detected whether you were slave or free. What is that? Yes, yeah, just, just what is any of this? Like, oh, blows, blows my mind. And even when, even when there's like kind of like small, kind of glimmers of hope, just still having like that the government working against you, like that whole like the like the uh, yeah the laws against kind of like helping slaves escape. Like, yeah, I know it's absolutely mad. It's just see, like living through that, you must have thought there's just no. Yeah, I think hope. that that's one thing she must have been able to hold on to was hope. I know she had like religious yeah. faith, and that really drove her. Like her mother's small acts of resistance drove her. Like, but I think yeah. she just—I feel like I don't know, obviously, but I feel like she must have been one of those people that just has so much drive and bravery in her, like to go yeah. back as well. She got herself out, and then she went back. You know, she helped other people. Yeah, just threw her back herself back in the firing lines. Yeah, crazy. I think the Underground Railroad is such an interesting part of history, and I need to read a book about it. Like, yeah, so yeah. and like, I love that the Quakers were involved in that. They're just such amazing people. They're so good. They're so great. I'm yeah, gonna make... do a Quaker at some point. I promise. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do. <laughs> A cool-ass Quaker, yeah. Yeah, you've got to do it. And they make such good cereal oh, as well. Oh, yeah, really funny. Yeah, I never hear that. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> so what, what's, uh, what's, I apologize. what's for dinner, Dan? Uh, what is for dinner? Oh, I'm going to make a uh, Chinese curry. Oh, nice. Very cool. Nice and simple. Very tasty. Yeah, cool. Very yellow. <laughs> Golden curry. Yeah. Very nice. Matt makes the curry when we have curry. Because he's not afraid. I'm a bit scared of like the spices. He's not scared. So. <laughs> he doesn't fear the I spices. Fear them. I'm like, oh, what are they going to do to me? They could jump out. <laughs> oh, dear. We are having spaghetti bolognese. Vegetarians. Oh, a classic. A classic. Um, what are you using to uh, subs- as a substitute for? Uh, mushrooms. So, yeah, you can use... There's obviously like corn mints or... There's actually yeah, yeah. another brand... Oh my god, I wish I knew the brand because it's an amazing vegan brand that that we discovered. Yeah. And it's got blue packaging. There you go. Um, and Matt says it tastes much more like beef than the corn one does. Um, okay, then. So we sometimes use that. But yeah, we're just, I'm just going to do mushrooms and onions and garlic and yeah, tomatoes and that. And yeah, going to have a... A garlic bread, yeah. Nice. I haven't had garlic bread in ages. Oh, we have garlic bread. Garlic we have bread. a garlic bread like twice a week. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> <laughs> we just like could we like everything. We're like, eh, could garlic bread go with that? Probably can, can't it? <laughs> garlic bread goes with everything. Not like a roast dinner. You can't have garlic bread with a roast dinner. Yeah, I could try it. Let's that. try it. Screw it. Like next time, the, when pub's open, let's go for a roast dinner and order a garlic <laughs> bread and see if we get a funny look. Dip that in the gravy. That'd be tasty. Would it? Would it be tasty? <laughs> oh, I think it would be. <laughs> I just, I just, actually, could you just give us a garlic bread and a bowl of gravy? <laughs> we just want to experiment. We can try something Just out. try something new. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Yeah, and... The very exciting thing for me that's happening tomorrow, I know you're not excited by it, but I am very excited by the Premier League starting off again tomorrow. Is <laughs> yes, it? Yes, it, it is. I know nothing about football. Come on, you Spurs. 
yeah. So how's it working? What's happening? Are they just carrying on? Is it a continuation? Yeah, they've got empty stadiums. So Liverpool can still win. Liverpool have won. I think they've only got to win like one more game and they've won. But it's not. Uh, It's not about them winning. It's about fantasy football. It's mainly about fantasy football. So at the moment, (laughs) the one that we've got money in, Matt's at the top and I'm second, and so we've basically won the money. But you know, still, it could all change in like one week. Could all change. Speaking of winning money, I won uh, five pounds on the lottery yesterday. That's not five English pounds. Five hours, which I'm just going to spend on the lottery again, so I may, I may as well have not won nothing. Huh. Bad times. As far as sports well, good go. But then, well, like. Fake sports. Yeah. Yeah, there was a wrestling pay per view, and goddamn spoilers oh again. My God, I t- woke so up. I opened my phone up, and instantly it was just the results of, like, the main match of the night. It's just like, it was the mirror newspaper as well. It's like. The pay-per-view was on at three in the morning. I clearly haven't watched it. Why are you telling oh me God, what happened? Hate... It's because they want to be oh. ahead of like everyone else. Just don't. Just turn off your notification, your news notifications on your phone, and just don't yeah, look at anything know, before you watch the wrestling. Did you see the Edge? Like, and this isn't doesn't isn't going to make any sense to anyone that doesn't watch WWE. Did you see <laughs> the Edge? Like, had to have an operation because yeah, he like yeah, torn his tricep like instantly. Second match. He back. he must be quite Third old now. Edge, because he was fighting he's, in the two thousands. Yeah, I think he's about the same age as like AJ Styles or something. So it's not Poor too old. Edge. Really, he's been away for ages. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe it. It's finally back, and then that's but, it. Bye. Injured, out for months. Or it might just be a storyline. Like it could be, be but I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> he look, yeah. We shall see. Um, and also, I think as we're on sport, we should put a big shout out to Mister Marcus Rashford. Who is the king today oh, yes. for making the government Damn do a right. massive U-turn? Because it's so important that every single child in this country gets to eat every single day, and that is something that absolutely it's very close to my heart as well. I've worked in schools, and I know sometimes children turn up with empty lunchboxes, you know, yeah, and you're like, what do I, what do I do? So, thank you so much, Marcus Rashford, and everyone else that helped with this. It's not just him. For making this amazing thing happen, basically. Damn right. Damn straight. Holla. <laughs> um, shall we tell people where they can find us? Yeah. Where can they find us? Do you so, remember? <laughs> I, I'm going to try and remember. I think I've got it. So you can follow us at Have You Ever Pod. Yes! <laughs> you got it right, Woo-hoo! everyone. I got it. That's on Twitter and on Instagram. Yeah. And you can follow us wherever you're listening to us on all the platforms follow us on multiple platforms yeah. or, or and tell your mum and it's then fun. you can listen to us on each of them at the same time like surround sound like... Dan and Katie yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah and obviously spread the word we thank you very very much for listening to us but for now goodbye Bye. Bye.